So I've been watching the ETF flows and I think I've discovered something that is going to pump the market. It actually looks like the market is seeing what I'm seeing and that is why the market's pumping. And if the markets, if, if I'm right and the market is going to start moving on this information that I showed you guys, what's going to happen is it's not going to be the Bitcoin trade that is the one that leads the market. It's going to be this trade over here, which is the altcoin trade, as per what Rick Capital says. He says, interestingly, interestingly, it's possible the Q1 altcoin hype will begin in the coming weeks and last until April. We might see this thesis actually playing out, and it's not going to be all, all altcoins. You're going to have to know what the hottest, hottest narratives are and what the hottest ecosystems are if you're going to want to make this life-changing money. And that's what today is about. I'm going to show you the information that I have, and it's it's big. It's big information. Uh, it changes the big picture specifically around the ETF. I'm then going to show you exactly which narratives are pumping, and it's not only me. I've managed to get you guys, Jose, and I've got Ansem. Ansem is joining us today for our Friday banter. So listen, today's going to be fucking spectacular. Let's go, go, go. Listen, I don't want to waste time today. I want to get straight to the alpha because the market's about to pump. The market's about to rip and, and I want to show you why the market's about to rip. But before that, um, we have spoken about making life-changing money. And if you do want to make life-changing money, you need to subscribe to our channel. Trust me, you need to subscribe to our channel. Also, straight after the show, you need to meet me on Banter Plus. We're going to drop a gummy and we're going to stream with dylan and we're going to have a lot of fun today so meet me after the show on banter plus don't forget that um also we said we want to make life-changing money in this bull market and you know if if you're not already a subscriber you know that our subscriber base we're here to make life-changing money we're not here to make small money but the main thing is not to make money the main thing is actually to keep money because having money is one thing but being able to keep it at the end of the bull market, that's what makes a difference between great investors and those that get washed out and then come back in the next cycle. Now, you're going to make a lot of money trading crypto. If you're subscribed to this channel, I guarantee you're going to make a lot of money trading crypto. But you're going to have to learn to keep it. And I saw this this week, which really, really, really worried me. I don't know how many of you saw this. It's called the mother of all breaches. 26 billion data records have been breached. The breach includes, just read this, Sensitive data, including usernames, passwords, IP addresses um, from many, many, many countries. Uh, here are some of the websites that were actually breached. The biggest problem is that Twitter has been breached. Okay, that's one of the, the, the sites that actually got breached. Um, this, is a, this is a very, very, very serious breach. And if you were part of the breach, you need to start protecting yourself. Because these guys, if you use your Twitter password for any, any other password, uh, these guys are going, to, are, are going to get to you. They may get to you using your IP address. You have to be very careful. Guys, I've said this to you before. We're in crypto. All of our records, all of our money is actually kept on our laptops and on our phones. You cannot leave a honeypot, not for the regulators and not for the hackers. And the one way to stop that is to stop transmitting your IP address. You see, every time you browse the internet or get onto any uh, 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 website or anything, you are giving these people your IP address. You see, over here, it says here, IP address, your status is protected, you see, because I'm actually on, on a VPN at the moment, but my IP address is visible to every single DAP that I interact with. Now, the IP address, not only does it give your address, so to speak, but it also um, provides the hackers and the authorities with a database of who's been on the app and who hasn't. Now, to protect yourself, you get yourself a VPN. You mask your IP address, and by you're paying $2.91 a month. By masking your IP address, 
not only do the exchanges and the authorities not know where who you are and where you're coming from, but you also can't get hacked. Also, when you get a NordVPN for $3 a month, you get password protectors, you get a whole suite of security managers. So you need that and you also need to get threat protections, especially if you've been surfing any of these websites, your data may be on these databases and threat protection actually protects you from that um, and stuff like that. Listen, do me a favor. I know I keep telling you this. I would hate it if you guys lost your money because of a data breach. That would be the fucking craziest thing in the world. So please just go and get a NordVPN. You also support the show. There's a link below. Do it now. It's the most important thing you'll do is keeping your money. Anyway, let's get into the meat and potatoes of the show because as I said, I discovered something. You want to know why the market's pumping? I'm going to show you exactly why the market's pumping. The market is realizing what I just realized and it's big. And I'll tell you what, it, it's got something to do with the ETF. So what has it got to do with the ETF? Well, yesterday we saw 394 million flow out of Grayscale, which was the lowest ETF outflow from Grayscale since the beginning. The good news is that we're now seeing the sellers become exhausted. The guys that were going to exit Grayscale have started to exit. And right now, it's like the sellers have become exhausted. And I did predict this was going to happen. But this is not what actually happened yesterday. What we also realized is that right now, we have $5 billion under management in all the newly minted ETFs. Now, we only thought that we'd get to 5 to $10 billion after three months of the ETF. We now have $5 billion in the newly minted ETFs. That's great, but that's not what I discovered. That just shows that actually we're making a lot more traction and we should be celebrating our traction um, rather than, rather than uh, 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 f- uh, looking at the grayscale outflow. I read this. The marketing has not yet started. So Google, only in four days can the ETFs start advertising the ETFs across all the Google platforms, YouTube, Google, et cetera, et cetera. Also, BlackRock are starting to do educational webinars on, on Bitcoin. We now have BlackRock doing educational webinars on Bitcoin. We're about to get this huge wave of money coming in. But that's not what I discovered, and that's not what's causing the market to pump. Here's what I think is causing the market to pump. It's crazy. But I read an article yesterday, or I read a tweet yesterday, which says that, did you know, GBTC redemptions cannot be reinvested into ETFs immediately because of the ETF wash trade rule. After 30 days, they can reinvest back into ETFs. We should expect inflows after 30 days. The ETF wash trade rule from Fidelity, if you buy substantially identical securities within 30 days before or after the sale at a loss, you are subject to the wash rule. This prevents you from claiming a tax loss at the time, which means that a lot of people that would have sold the GBTC at a, at, at a, at a, at a loss are now prohibited from buying back for 30 days. And that may mean that they would have to come back in 30 days to actually buy the ETFs. That's big news. That means that in, e- that in 30 days, we're going to get all the grayscale money finished out. And in 30 days, all the guys that couldn't trade because of the wash trade rule now can start trading these securities. Okay, it's big. It means that some of these GBTC outflows have been sold with no option to reinvest. And in 30 days, they will start reinvesting. And that's on top of the fact that we already have $5 billion uh, in the newly minted ETFs. I'm now predicting that we're going to get at least 10 to $15 billion in the first three months of the ETF. And that's beyond anybody's expectations. Let me tell you. Now, when that happens, we're going to get a pump. We're going to get a massive, massive, massive altcoin pump. And the reality is that you need to be plugged into which altcoins are going to pump. Now, you don't know which altcoins are going to pump unless you can read narratives. We've tried to make it easy for you on Banter Bubbles by launching the two buttons. One is the hot narratives over here. You can see it over here. 
where you wake up in the morning, you click hot narratives, you can immediately see which narratives are the ones that are doing well today. So today you can see meme coins are doing well, the Solana ecosystem is doing well, yield farming is doing pretty well, etc. You can also see that on the ecosystems, DOT is doing fantastic, Aptos is doing fantastic today, etc. Sol not doing as well as DOT and all of those. So we've done this because we know that ecosystems and narratives are the flavor of the day. But that's not enough. You need to be able to smell which narrative is coming. And for that, I've got two of my friends joining us on the show. The first one is Jose from Delphi Digital. And he's amazing. You know that. He comes on our show a lot. But we also have Ansem for you. And Ansem is unbelievable because this guy, he knows what's coming up way before it comes up. So, okay. All right, so let's not waste any time. Let's get to our two guests in the house. We've got Jose, who you guys all know very, very, very well. He was a regular on our channel. And uh, we, did, we did a show with him like two weeks ago, which, which absolutely, absolutely exploded. We decided to bring you back because we want more alpha, sir. We, we felt we didn't get all the alpha out of you, Jose. So today's going to be an alpha-sucking session. And then we've got a new member <laughs> of the fam, a new guest in the fam. We've got Ansem with us. Ansem, how are you, sir? Welcome. I'm good. How are you guys? Good. So listen, the community doesn't really know you. You haven't been on our shows before. So maybe for those people who don't really know you yet, maybe just a quick background, who you are, how you got here, how long you've been in crypto, etc. Gotcha. Yes, I've been in crypto since 2017. Uh, background, I studied computer science at Georgia Tech, um, had a minor in business there. And while I was at Tech, I studied an emerging technologies class for that minor and professionally a huge Bitcoin guy. So that's when I like first learned about crypto, figured out what it was. Didn't buy any crypto back then. I was like 2016. And then when I graduated the following year, 2017, I was working as a software engineer. Um, and while I was working as a software engineer, I had a mentor at my job, really huge, another huge crypto guy, a big crypto trader. Um, and that's when I started learning it on my own, basically started trading. That's back when it was like Bittrex, BitMEX, all that stuff. Um, and I've basically been trading crypto since then was working as a software engineer full-time up into 2021. Um, and then mid-2021 is when I started going like just full-time trading crypto. I've been doing that essentially since since then. So that's me. So, I mean, one thing is that it seems like you're very, very, very plugged into the narratives and you're very, very, very early into the narratives. I think that's like, that's the, the appeal here is that everyone's saying that you're so plugged into narratives. What do you think it is that, that makes you so plugged into narratives? What, what's the secret? What's the spice? Man, I wish I could tell you, I'm honestly, I'm online 24-7, dude. So, like, in, I would say my first cycle, I had no idea what I was doing. I was basically all in alts when Bitcoin ripped from whatever it was, 3K to, like, 19K. I was just losing money on the all BTC pairs while Bitcoin ripped. Um, and while I was on CT, that was my first time on CT, learning from people like Kobe, like TraderMain, Moomdart, um, all of those people. And then essentially, I figured out how rotations of capital work in crypto. It's like it goes from Bitcoin to altcoins. And then maybe there's a lot of different like sectors there where people rotate in between. I kind of was like using that frame of mind when I traded this last cycle. And so, but like rather than just sitting all in alts while Bitcoin's ripping, as I did the first cycle, I kind of was looking for, okay, where's capital going to go next? What narratives are popping up? um what's happened what what is all the attention on now what's attention moving to and this was like right after DeFi summer had happened so like late 2020 all the DeFi alts had done like 100x plus lynn switched over to ave did 100x 
a ton of the other early alts like SNX, I think was another good one. Um, they did really well, but everybody in the group chats I was in, like the people who were new to trading crypto were not even talking about Bitcoin at all. They were all on Uniswap talking about all those altcoins. And I was like, well, Bitcoin only trading at like 9K, 10K in that area. If we're going to have another full crypto cycle, then Bitcoin is 100% at least going back to all time high. So that was like my first big trade um, last cycle being long Bitcoin um, going back to its all time high. And kind of the reason I had that like thought process to look for that was because prior cycles, I like knew what how capital rotated between um, altcoins and Bitcoin and crypto. So that was my, my big thing there. But just generally, I'm, I'm always on. I'm always online. I'm like have a, a long list of alts I look at TA wise, separated them by like their fundamental sectors that they're in, whether it's DeFi, L1s, L2s, AI stuff, defense stuff. Um, I think now the space is a lot more mature than it was back in 2017, where you could like group a ton of the alts together. But now they don't even really move um, all together at the same time. So it's like you can have different sectors in crypto where attention is a lot focused on one sector and then maybe not so much focused on another sector. Um, and then I just use that in combination with TA where I think capital is going to move towards. So, and are you trading? Are, it, but, are yeah. you trading or are you investing? I'm going to say like, are you buying these things and holding these things for the whole cycle, the majority of the cycle, or are you trading in and out? And if you're trading in and out, like what's your, your average trade time? I'm trying to try and get a feel for, for the type of, of trades that you're taking. Yeah, it's a combination. I like investing and trading, I would say. Um, I think this cycle is like a lot of my core positions I don't really touch, like my spot um, positions. For me, that's like Solana, like Bitcoin, um, Coinbase stock I like a lot, like Parallel Prime. Um, that's like my core, basically. And I don't really touch those. Like I think the bottom's in for this cycle. I'm trying to sell those when I think we're close to a cycle top. Um, that's majority of my portfolio. I would say probably like 70 70%. Um, and then with the 30%, that's like where I'm doing all my degen shit, like finding like all the new rotations, um, like on-chain stuff, like low cap, micro cap stuff, perps, all that stuff is what I do with 30% of my capital. Um, and that, I would say those trades are probably like usually a few weeks, not like not longer. They can be a few days, um, depending on how small the stuff is. But then like the investing side, that those are like several months where I hold those. Um, okay, so I'm just, for, when you said you, a, a couple of weeks, give me like two or three trades that you've closed recently because you've said, you know what, that's the end of that trade. We're not, that, I've ridden that trade to the top. It's time to get out and time to move the money to a new trade. Mm -hmm. Yeah, say was a good one. Um, so like say I played like around 25 cents, 30 cents in that area. Um, Talana had done really well. Say hadn't moved yet. There were a lot of other Cosmos chains like Injective and some others, Celestia, that had been doing really well. And Say was kind of just like chilling around there. Um, so my thought process was if there's like you people are going to start looking for these fast new L1 chains. Solana's done well. Say has a similar narrative thesis around it. It's also a Cosmos chain and it hasn't moved yet. So that was one, one of the reasons like I took that trade and went to like 75 cents or, or topped around 80 something cents, I think, um, and exited that um, pretty those those highs where I thought that that short term rotation was over. Um, yeah, like say is one of the ones I think is going to do well this cycle, but for me, it's a short term trade. Okay, amazing. So let's talk about you spoke about capital rotation. I think this is where I want to open it up to both of you. So I think like the one part of the capital rotation that I'm certainly seeing is it's the end of the Bitcoin trade. I think this ETF trade was an amazing trade, but I think all the data is now showing me that it's the end of this Bitcoin trade. 
I don't see, you know, I know the halving's coming up and there's the whole narrative of the halving going for taking us on a, on a huge run. But to me, it just feels like the, the, the Bitcoin trade is, is completely finished. I saw this chart here, which is the CME open interest uh, from the institutions uh, because it's CME. And you can see that that's now dropped by about 25% in terms of, in terms of open interest. Do you think that that is the end of the Bitcoin trade or do you think that there's another leg up because of the halving? Giselle, maybe let's start with you. Uh, I honestly don't think I have the best takes when it comes to trading. I'm not, I'm not a great trader. I think just by virtue of where you start in this space, you kind of optimize for different things. And for me, it was mainly venture, early stage C deals, and then building stuff. So more deep in the weeds and on, on that. But um, yeah, so I, I don't think I have a great take on this, honestly. Anson, what, what do you think? Are you, are you in the school of thought that the Bitcoin trade is now like... <clears throat> Overtraded, maxed. Um, I'm not sure. I I I said the other day that I thought like BDC Dom had topped and alt win a run. Um, but I think that you also can make the argument that alt ran pretty hard in Q4. I'm kind of leaning towards right now. I think we're probably going to chop around more so than not for like the next month or so while we like have this pullback. But I don't think I would say the Bitcoin run is over. I don't think we're going low 30k's like back to 25k. I do think it makes sense for us to kind of consolidate around this quarter and then probably push to new um, new highs like the rest of the year. Like what I'm what I'm thinking right now is the Bitcoin projects a new all time high like Q3 in that area. Um, and I think probably this next month or so you're going to see some consolidation. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say the trade is I, don't know, I wouldn't say the trade is over. I'm not sure whether I want to be more in alts or more in Bitcoin right now. That's actually what I'm trying to figure out. Um, I think Solana looks good here. Like the pullback is about 40% and it's a pretty key spot. This $80, $80 area. I like a lot. So I like Solana here. Um, but I how think much, it's pretty. Yeah. How much of this trade do you think is this GBTC trade? Like this GBTC trade seems to me like it might be. It was a very scary G- a trade, 620,000 coins. They've offloaded 100, 120,000 coins already. Um, yeah. It feels to me like the ET, like this whole GBTC trade is now kind of normalized, and I think we're going to get it just a, a drip out. To me, I think the trade's finished. I'm keen to hear your thoughts here if you think that this GBTC overhang is still a big overhang. Yeah. I, I need to check the data on it. Honestly, I think if you, you literally can look at the inflows for that, specific ETF, I want to say. And I want to say they're still net positive, even with like the outflows from it. Um, and just generally across the board, the inflows for the, the Bitcoin spot ETFs have been pretty bullish. So I'm thinking that's going to be bullish in like the medium to longer term. Um, the way these things, these events typically happen is like, <clears throat> if there's something like this new news that happens, like, oh, people are going to be selling for the GBTC, the market will react to it fast, like before the actual selling occurs or like kind of overreact to what the actual um, impact is from that selling. And that's kind of what we saw happen with Solana um, and the FTX estate selling around $20. And I think it's going to be a similar situation here where it's like people kind of overreact to the actual impact that it's going to have. Yeah. And then I, I, I think it's exactly the same thing. They'll overreact first and then they'll overreact to the other side when they realize that they overreacted to the, to the first part <laughs> of the news. Exactly. And, then, and, then, and then we're going to get a, a, a little go up. Um, all right. I think you're both extremely bullish on Solana. Ansem, I think you've been a real, 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 like, I mean, you're, you're, you're almost an ambassador. Um, you're, you're almost <laughs> like, a, like a, an unpaid ambassador for Solana. Um, yeah. 
So very keen to hear your thesis and see if it aligns with, with uh, Jose's thesis. We spoke, uh, Jose and I spoke last week or two weeks ago about the Solana versus the ETH trade. Uh, you said Solana will be a dead trade for a while as ETH does its thing. Um, uh, uh, you said, uh, so, so you, well, you kind of... That's a copy pasta. <laughs> that's, that's a copy pasta from somebody else. Okay, so what is, what, what is your view around the ETH trade versus the Solana trade? And then what's your view around the layer one thesis? Do you think Solana is going to be like the, a, a winner? Who wins in the layer one? Is it ETH? Is it Solana? Um, I'll give my thesis on it. Yeah, so just to clarify that, that tweet, I tweeted that because somebody was kind of like tweeting that Solana was dead and ETH was going to rip. And it was literally the pico top of the ETH rally. And so I copy pasted the tweet and tweeted it from, from my account. I forget who it was, but that's why I tweeted that. Gotta be, care, it. gotta be careful out there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but yeah, generally, I, I don't think Solana is actually really competing with, with ETH. Uh, like, that's really my opinion. I think that Solana, as an integrated L1, can do a lot of things that Ethereum can't do. So you're not going to be able to have or see ETH. Each mainnet do like a thousand non-vote TPS um, at any point, really. Ethereum only can do like 15 um, transactions per second, and it's not able to scale as well as Solana does. I think if you're trying to build on one integrated L1, Solana is pretty far ahead of ETH in that regard. I think where ETH has an advantage is it's more decentralized and it's more secure um, just because it's been around for a longer period than Solana. And like the way that they move with, I think, deploying... Um, Deploying new new changes to Ethereum, they move extremely slow. Like they're very safe with how they do all their upgrades to ETH. But ETH is now focused on being a modular settlement layer, whereas Solana is not trying to do that. They're trying to do everything on one layer, where ETH wants to outsource all of its execution to rollups and also maybe even outsource DA to Celestia, like Eigen, near um, some of those chains because it'll be more cost effective. Um, for low, for rollups to post DA there rather than post them on, on the ETH L1. And we'll see how that is after um, the IP, I think, 4844 is. But generally, I think that Ethereum is now going to compete with these other modular settlement layers, which kind of have the same thesis as we want to push execution to these rollups and we want to create the best environment, like a, a safe, secure settlement layer, and also give developers the best tools to deploy rollups. I think that's where... ETH is really competing. Now, I don't really think ETH and Solana are trying to do the same thing. I think the only reason they're really getting compared now is just because they're the two biggest L1s. Um, so, Jose, where are you seeing, like, you, you're seeing a lot of projects, you're seeing a lot of investments, you're seeing a lot of brain power. Today, when you look yeah. at, like, the, um, the number of deals that are being presented to you guys at Delphi, at, at personally, where are you seeing the most talent, the most talented projects? Is it, is it on Cosmos? Is it on Solana? <clears throat> is it on ETH? Where are you seeing the brain power? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm very bullish Solana, as you know, we did like a bunch of shows last year and that was pretty much my main pick on, on all those shows too, but definitely most of the talent is still on ETH. Like most of the new ideas that come about still come about on ETH. There are exceptions, of course, there are teams doing stuff on Solana that, that hasn't been done elsewhere. Um, but yeah, mo most of the talent, most of the interesting things, but on ETH is sort of like a weird uh, way to put it right because like Ansem says ETH is just the settlement layer now right no no one is 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 really like shipping uh, net new products on, on ETH L1 I mean there there are some things like Ajna and things like this but the majority is 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 happening on on L2s right or or even as L2s like rollaps L3s this kind of stuff um, but I would say I guess EVM would be the, the the way I'd put it I'd say like there's still 
much more talent um, on, on EVM, but Solana is, is, is the second biggest, I would say, in terms of talent that we see. And then Cosmos and then everyone else is like pretty, pretty far behind in, in terms of like what we're, what we're seeing of teams building there. Okay. And I mean, um, parallel, parallel execution, parallel EVM execution. So I know that you're both pretty excited about, say, I know that uh, Ansem, I think you're pretty excited about Monad as well. I think you may also, uh, we're investors in Monad. I'm not sure if you're also an investor in Monad. Um, how does that change the landscape? Um, I think it's going to be interesting. I think one of the unlocks or current, like, oh, not unlocks. One of the restrictions that the EVM has right now is that they can't compete with chains like Solana on speed, um, speed and execution. But there's a ton of EVM developers in crypto that have been around for like several years. So the mind share there is super strong. Um, so I think if these chains like Monad and Say are able to effectively get some get um, their chains to the same speed and execution as Solana does, but still EVM, I think there's going to be a ton of developers that can port over their applications there and do really well. And you kind of see a new design space emerge um, there, similarly to how those new design spaces have emerged on Solana. Um, but I think it's going to be really, really, really big. I'm not sure exactly what it looks like yet, how long it's going to take, because it's a very complicated thing to build out. But yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. It's not as it's not as easy as people make it out to be. Like when say when say made the announcement that they were doing parallel parallelized par, parallel, EVM. Uh -huh. they, yeah, yeah. I, I keep I, I keep fumbling that. But every when they did it, everyone thought it was just easy. Just port your your application onto say, and th that's it. You got yourself you got yourself a, a much faster version of Ethereum. But it's I guess it's not that easy. Jose, what do you think? And in terms of, of parallelized EVM, who do you think would be the winners? Um, yeah, I mean, we're investors in, in Say, and I'm also an investor in, in, in Monad. Um, I, those are the two biggest like players there, there for sure. I think it, it's definitely super interesting. The, the EVM does have like a lot of flaws. Um, so, so like, if, if you've ever spoken to a developer that's built on EVM and elsewhere, uh, like, there's a lot of problems to the EVM, a lot of, like, security issues, a lot, a lot of stuff like that. But it definitely has, like, the biggest network effect and, and the most developers. And I think, um, like, one of the main, like, my main thesis for Solana is just that composability matters, right? And so having everything sit in the same layer is, it has advantages over, over the modular architecture or it has, like, trade-offs that, that are, that, that I think are interesting. And this allows sort of like the EVM to, to, to also like compete in that realm, right? For you to have like a single uh, layer of state where you can run all the applications and have composability and, and stuff like that. Um, it will be a long, it'll be a long process, I think, getting like applications over and, and, and stuff like this. EVM developers have a lot of choice. They have a lot of money thrown at them by, by various different like L2s and, 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 and players in the space. Um, so it's not going to be easy attracting it. And really it's a war for the, for the devs, right? Like it starts off as a war for the devs, which bring the applications, which, which bring the users. And so I think seeing where they're, where they're interested in building is really like the, the leading, the kind of leading indicator. Amazing. So Ansem, as I said, in the beginning of the show, like you're very plugged into narratives, uh, very, very keen to know, um, what, what you believe the new up and coming narratives are, what you think the hot narratives that you're looking at right now. We have spoken a little bit about Solana. We spoke a little bit about paralyzed EVMs, um, parallelized EVMs. I think that's the right way to say it. Um, uh, well, we'll get it right one day. Um, interested to know what other narratives you're looking at. Um, yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at a few of them. I think 
what's two of them that are interesting for me that I'm trying to figure out how to get exposure to. Um, one of them is intelligence. So like the crossover of AI and crypto is interesting. One of the reasons I think it's interesting is because some of the main issues that you have with artificial intelligence applications now is the, like the, what's the word? They're kind of restricted on what, on what the models can spit out. So like you have these centralized companies where if you input certain things to these, um, these AI, whatever, these, these models, you won't get every answer that you want because literally these companies um, are kind of censoring what they will, like the, the information that will return to you. I think that can be dangerous in the long term if you think of how much it can hinder what AI is capable of. Um, and I don't think you really want, with, with some of these new technologies, I don't think you really want that um, those restrictions in place. And I think with crypto, you kind of have the completely different ethos where we don't want to uh, restrict the technology at all. So I think there's going to be some creative ways where you see the AI X crypto crossover happen. And then as far as like the utilization of, what do I say, GPU? Um, GPU compute, like AI takes a ton of that. And I think there's some interesting ways that crypto can kind of use DPAM, which is like decentralized physical infrastructure networks um, to kind of enable AI to, to perform like more effectively or be able to use more, more of that GPU com, compute power. Um, and then I'll say the other one is like DPAM. I think DPAM is interesting. We have a lot of applications now coming out that are kind of showing or proving their use case in a way that we haven't really seen before. I think Helium's a really interesting one. They have like a nationwide cell plan that's, and they also are like in partnership um, with T-Mobile. So it's like when, they, when you don't have cell service through Helium and they're like decentralized network, you can just, I think, like fall back to T-Mobile's network. I think that's how it works. But there's a lot of these deep end plays that are competing with these like huge incumbents in Web2. And that's like a big stamp, I think, of approval for crypto that we actually have applications that, that can have actual use case and actual um, advantages over their larger incumbents. So I think AI and DeepN are probably two of the biggest ones I'm looking at. Um, not really sure what the best way to get exposure to those are yet, but that's the literary. So I was about to, I was about to ask, and maybe Jose, you can chime in here if, if 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 you believe that there are projects. But if I was a crypto investor and I was uh, I'm looking to get exposure into AI, what are the more interesting projects that that you think? So obviously the one that's made a lot of noise is a BitTensor, which is the 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 Tau token. That's the one that seems to to have the hype and, and, and the narrative going now, but what other projects have you looked at and just maybe some, some thoughts, uh, Jose, maybe start with you. Have you seen any AI projects that you, that you believe have got real product market fit? Um, I don't think anything has product market fit. Uh, we're definitely very bullish on the AI crypto overlap. Um, I think a lot of stuff is very speculative. Uh, Tao is interesting, definitely doing like very interesting stuff. Uh, I kind of never, never bought it just because the, the volume over market cap was like, so kind of weird. It's just kind of a scary thing to buy when it, it, it trades so little with, with, with such a big market cap. And I, I don't really know what's going on there, but um, definitely they're, they're doing really cool things with the, with, with like the sub DAOs now and stuff as well. Um, we're seeing really interesting things in AI on the, in the private markets, but I guess that's not super useful here. Um, but maybe just yeah. uh, maybe just if in the private <clears throat> markets, maybe you can just talk a little bit about what these protocols are doing, um, you know, that, what problems they're solving, what these protocols are doing. So when they do come onto market, people go, ah, that's 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 a, a thing. Because I think 
I think that we're, we're seeing the same thing. I think when it comes to listed AI uh, uh, tokens, the problem that I'm finding is that I don't find any real pro uh, products with substance. So you've got like the singularity nets and, and whatever else, but those are all like, those are 2017 projects which are pivoted to AI. You've got fetch.ai, you've got, fetch you got all those. But I haven't yet found like one application where I really think this thing could actually get network effects. The first one that I actually did was Bitenzel. That was the first one where I looked at it and I said, you know what, this is a really smart architecture where you can get these like, these like almost like these sub chains all, all working under the same validator set, if all, uh, uh, the mining set, so to speak. Um, and I found that that structure was very, very smart. But just maybe what kind of problems are being solved by AI that you're seeing in the private markets that, that may be interesting? Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of people working on decentralized inference, which is like a really gigabrain kind of kind of problem to try and solve. There's a lot of people working on like self-hosted kind of models. Obviously, there's the compute marketplaces. I think one of the ones that I'm really interested in, and I kind of spoke to a project recently that's doing it, is just the identity side. Like, um, obviously, WorldCoin is kind of like the big project in, in in that space, but that takes a very specific approach, right? Like, which is a, a physical scan your eyeball, uh, you know, depending how you look at it, kind of dystopian, uh, very ambitious approach. And I think there are some interesting projects taking like different approaches, whether it's social graph approaches or like algorithmic approaches where you look at behavior and trying to categorize whether a certain on-chain agent is human or not. Um, and I do think this is going to be like a really big part. I mean, I, I think that whole thing of just like on-chain data is still kind of a black box for, for, for protocols. Like you can't really like go to market is, is very fluid, right? Like points are definitely an improvement over airdrops because they're way more granular. You can like actually reward specific behaviors and you don't have to like change your token issuance and stuff like this. But I think in future, there's going to be, uh, it's going to be way more granular. Like you're going to be able to target wallet by wallet, people that have used competitor protocols, uh, people in certain net worth categories. It's going to be like a Facebook advertising, but, but sort of on chain that also uses real world data and things like this. Um, and for that, you really need identity like as a, as, as a core primitive. So there's interesting people working, interesting things um, happening there. But it, honestly, like uh, Tom Shaughnessy on our side is, is probably the person that's closest to this. He has some good tweets on it. Um, and then I'd recommend also following Jake Bruckman at yeah. CoinFund. He has really, really good takes on, on, on the crypto AI overlap. Um, and then Multicoin does, does some really good, good thinking on this too. So th th those are probably the people I'm, mm -hmm. I, I'd look to for that. Ansem, have you seen anything? Have you seen any, any interesting projects in the AI space? Like I know you, you said you're still looking for your entry points. Yeah, man. Honestly, like I can't confidently say that I that I have seen some that I'm like, yeah, this is definitely the one. Um, I'll give like some some like I guess a list of some that I've like have on my watch list. I'm looking at Ritual, looking at Jensen, looking at Nosana, looking at Ionet. Um I think those are the main maybe ones just maybe just one maybe just one line maybe just one line on each one of them as to why you're looking at them. I, like I said, I, I don't want to try and give I don't want to try and give a deep thesis on these. Uh, I'm still like doing my research on them and don't want to speak incorrectly on them. Try not to do that, but I would say that's like a list if you want to go go down like the rabbit hole of AI stuff. I, I would look at those. I think those are like the top ones to, to look into. All right, let's let's talk about uh, Deepin because I think I know that that's a that's a, a big narrative. I, I love the narrative. I think one of the, the things that I love about the narrative is you've actually got to do real work. Um, you know, I think everyone said it. You you don't you know you can't fork a Deepin project. 
you actually have to go and yeah. build some amazing shit and actually then go and get uh, distribution of this amazing shit. And then that's, that's really like what it is. Uh, you mentioned Helium. Um, I think you mentioned, I don't know if you mentioned it or you, you alluded to it, but Hive Mapper. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe just walk me through like you, some, some project in the deep end space that you really think might work. And Jose, if, you, if you've got any others that, that you think, so you think Helium, I think, I think Helium's getting great traction. Hive Mapper, I think, is probably also starting to get great traction, or at least on the mapping of stuff, they're getting great uh, uh, attraction. Um, what other ones are you looking at? We've got a bunch of DJs here in the chat. You've got to understand, this is the most DJ community in the world. They're like, like they want project names. Gotcha. <laughs> Um, what other defense of Helium Hot Mapper? Um, you guys have, have any views on render, which is like the, the GPU, um, re redundant GPU mining, basically, so to speak? Like, any, any views on render that uses specifically for rendering? No, I don't have really strong views on it. I mean, I know, I know what the project is and what it does, but I don't have strong views on it. I wouldn't be like, yo, <laughs> that's my that's my defense play. Um, yeah, I mean, we looked at one of our engineers tried to deploy a workload on there, and kind of struggled. Um, I think a cache was easier, although it also has like no no capacity right now, or, or like very little capacity right now. I do think that use case is super interesting and like makes a lot of sense. Like the decentralized compute marketplace, it's just that people have been pitching me this since like 2017, like early 2017. <laughs> there was yeah. there was ICOs trying to trying to do this. Like there was Gollum and there was like Kudos and there was uh, Gamer Hash and like all sorts of people that were trying to convert like idle GPU into into something useful. Um, and it makes a lot of sense, right? There's all these crypto miners uh, that, that we have, and like now there's an actual use case with AI. But for some reason, it's just never like taken off. Uh, the demand side, I mean, arguably the demand side for for every deep in network hasn't really taken off. Like there's, yeah. there's you, you, you can prove, you've proven that you can bootstrap supply, which you kind of prove that with crypto anyway, right? Like every crypto network is to some extent like a deep in network, right? People like boot up machines to, to run these nodes, but like no one has really proven out like the demand side, I guess. Yeah. Um, maybe I, I've heard, like I, I watched the podcast with the HiveMapper CEO that, that sounded like to have some pretty good, pretty good traction on it. And, and it makes sense. But no one's really pulled it off. Like we, we were really excited about one called Pollen that we did, but then they kind of like ended up not launching. Yeah, um, we also I think we also in yeah. that. I just I think is the project still yeah. alive? Is this, are they still building or not? No, I think they literally capitulated at the bottom. Yeah. Was my uh, impression of it. Uh, that was a really exciting one because that that felt like it could have an actual kind of demand side. Um, I do feel like the AI thing, like crypto's use case, is always sort of intertwined with regulatory arbitrage. So I do think as like AI regulations get more intense, there's going to be like interesting use cases for like also like crypto models. There's a bunch of people working on like crypto trading models and, and stuff like that. Um, and another area I find really interesting is just the Telegram bots um, and like generally like innovation on the UI layer for crypto. Like MetaMask is still the dominant like UI layer for crypto. And like, I don't know anyone that like loves uh you know, using MetaMask, like it's, it's, it's nobody. <laughs> There's definitely like some use cases with, with crypto that are magic that you can do with MetaMask. Like it's, uh, the ability to like sign a transaction from a wallet and prove certain attribute about yourself is, is cool. But like 
I think Telegram bots just kind of revealed like this new way of, of using crypto. And obviously like the early things were very, were very gimmicky. Um, but I do think like the, the it, it kind of shows, um, especially the fees they were able to charge. And like, obviously the use case was mainly sniping, but I, I do think like being able to trade where you're hanging out anyway, like everyone hangs out on Telegram and Twitter, right? It kind of makes sense that you're able to execute trades from there and then have like uh, almost like a Bloomberg terminal built into your to your Telegram or to your or to your Twitter, right? And I, and I do think someone's gonna nail nail that, um, and it's like a really really huge opportunity. So, so you don't think the guys like like Unibot and Banana Banana Gun Banana Bot like you don't think that those guys have nailed it yet? I don't. No. Yeah, I just I have the same. I got the same thesis. I don't, I don't think they've nailed it yet either. I think one really good comparison that you can make if you look at apps like FanDuel, like DraftKings, all those. Sports betting takes like a what ten percent vig on literally every bet that people make, and you have people doing parlays where they get like great for even more than that ten percent vig, I guess. Um, but everybody does it, and everybody like I think it's so common now that you people sports betting, even people that don't really even know sports that well. I think like fixing the UX problem in crypto, but also onboarding non-crypto people to crypto. If there's an application that is able to tap that in a way where like it's a one-stop shop where whoever wants to trade crypto can do it as easy as it is to click i want to gamble on the, the patriots i want to gamble on the eagles and then it, as easy as it to be like oh i want to buy some bitcoin i want to buy some solana i want to buy this coin on this dex like with one click and it's easily searchable and easily findable and all the information is also there i think there's going to be a mobile app that crushes that for sure um, I think the, cycle, I think, I think the closest idea. application that I've used to that uh, on a on a on a on a trading platform is Drift, and I think maybe even Rollbit. Like I think I think I must say the Rollbit experience for me was a really really degen fun experience. Like it, it's very rare that I can say that I've been on a crypto app and I actually enjoy the experience. I could get it manages to get the dopamine and the sports betting kind of thing, and the two DApps that have actually done that for me is Drift, the, the trading platform on Solana, because it does feel like you're trading on a, se on a sex, and Rollbit. And Rollbit, I think, just nailed the degenness. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, Rollbit's clean. Um, Rollbit's really clean. Uh, that, that's also an interesting one. Like, that's printing money. Like, no one cares. Uh, it's, it's just like yeah. training at like <laughs> one and a half times like uh, earnings, you know, some days. And like, I think like two or three times, like the money that they're actually, that the tokens that they're burning every year, like the burn, it's like pretty wild how much money that thing prints. And definitely, the, I think they really nailed, yeah, the degen like UX for that. Um, yeah, I think the the last app that I felt like had that feeling uh, was was FTX. Like I really- yeah. uh, But I mean, you can say that- trading but, on FTX, but that's a too much. That's a centralized app. That, that's a centralized, like I, I think that- if you start bringing in centralized apps, then I think it becomes a bit like, well, you know, it, 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 Robert, right? it was Robert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Robert okay. okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. at, at least some parts of Robert are, are on chain. This is like, yeah. Is there any well, crypto dap? Is there, the, yeah. The coin. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and, the coin. And, 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 I, and I guess, and the burns. Okay. Touche. I think, I think you guys, yeah. okay. Um, any other crypto apps where you've actually felt like you're getting a real good experience? I like Vertex. I know I, I, I was talking about this last time. I don't know if you guys have used it. I bought a um, bunch of Vertex yeah. after we spoke lunchtime. I've got to be honest. Like I, I bought a bunch of Vertex uh, after our conversation. 
Um, I actually did a bit of a switch. I had some Apex tokens and I just sold a little bit of my Apex and I bought some Vertex just to hedge myself a little bit. I think I think Vertex, I don't know if you've actually used the the, the product, no. but I think it's pretty, I, I, I like it. Um, I think it's good. Um, yeah, any other dApps that we've had? What do you, yeah, no, nothing else comes to mind yeah. right now. Um, I mean, Hyperliquid I, I think is pretty good, honestly. Like, uh, is pretty yes. good. Which one? Tensor. Tensor, the NFT, yeah. like the app on Soul. I think I like that one. That's good. They're doing some pretty cool stuff too. Um, like some innovative stuff with trading. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like that. I think what else? All right, I want to move on to meme coins. Um, and I think that we, we, we can't ignore this. I mean, we don't want, we, we, just and I were talking before you arrived and I said, look, uh, he asked me if I got involved in the Trump meme coin. And I said, no, yeah. I haven't. I, I haven't. And it's not because I don't yeah. like the meme coin or the meme coin culture. Just, I just feel that with the limited number of hours in a day uh, and the limited number of hours in the bull market, I've got to choose where I'm going to focus my energy. And for me, the problem with focusing on meme coins is that very few of them have managed to last beyond one mini, mini, mini cycle, right? So like barring the dojos yeah. and, and the sheeps and, you know, maybe, maybe you could say that, you know, Bonk is, is now uh, going through it. But even Pepe is like, I kind of think like, you know, if you didn't catch that first run up, then I think you might be uh, kind of left behind. Are there any meme coins? First of all, I mean, maybe Ansem, I know you're very plugged into the meme coin scene. Um, yeah. I think sometimes you are even the meme of the coin. Um, <laughs> got his hat on. Yeah. So, yeah I got mean, my hat on. <laughs> maybe talk to me. Is meme coin? Can you even call it meme coin investing, or is it just meme coin trading? Like, let, let's let's call a spade a spade. Is there such thing as meme coin uh, investing, or is it trading for two weeks while the narrative is hot? Dog with hat, dog with art hat, cock, cock inu. Uh, like, what, what we what we do? I mean, am I trading or am I investing? I, I, I'm so lost. Yeah, dude. I mean, I think it's trading. I, I would say it's trading, but like, I think there is some merit to the idea that if you attach meme coins to like internet virality, so like how all these trends go viral on the internet. That's essentially just what meme coins are. Meme coins are coins. They don't have any underlying fundamental value, but they get so popular that the amount of people buying them in small size ends up with them having these like super like huge market caps. Like Dogecoin last cycle, it blew up a ton because of Elon. Elon just can't kept talking about it. And because Elon has so much distribution across literally everybody on the planet, everybody knew what Dogecoin was. So like, oh, I'm going to buy $10 with a Dogecoin because Elon keeps talking about it. And it went to like, what 70 billion market cap or something ridiculous and even now it's at 10 billion or 12 billion i think market cap right now all down like 60 70 percent off the highs i think doge is one of those situations where it's like if you want to call it investing or, or trading but it's a meme that keeps coming back like literally cycle after cycle since like 2011 2012 Doge is always still around. It's more consistent than any other. Do you have Do you have Doge in your Do you have Doge in your portfolio? I don't have Doge. No, I don't have I don't have Doge right now. Um, but I think just generally, it's like these new memes that pop up. They're going to keep popping up because you're going to keep seeing these new viral trends on social media, and people literally will attach coins to all these new viral trends that pop up. One of the ways that I say trading meme coins is kind of like. If you saw something about to go viral on TikTok and you could buy that, like I want to invest in that social trend on TikTok, 
there's no way to do that other than crypto, which create which creates coins literally with all the associated. I agree. I agree. I'll tell you what the problem that I have is that when a meme goes big on on TikTok, two days yeah. later and maybe four days later and maybe six days later, the meme is completely dead. And then there is another meme, yeah. and it's very very rare for me that the same meme comes up twice. Like I just mm-hmm. I, I I don't see. A meme's cool because it, because you crack something for the first time and it goes completely viral. And the second time that it's cracked is not, not as cool anymore. And that's why I'm struggling with this new meme coin narrative. I was plugged in quite well with a Dogecoin. And I must say, I actually do have some Dogecoin in my portfolio, which I've held forever. I mean, I bought it ages and ages and ages ago. But I, yeah, but meme that, coin investor. Yeah, but that was a very <laughs> different, that was a very different meme culture from the meme culture that we have now. That was... You bought a meme because you thought that people would adopt meme money. And that's why I bought Doge because I thought that people would adopt meme money. And that's kind of also why I, I, I bought Pepe. But when I look at this new meme coin culture, it's literally set up for the quickest trades in the world because you kind of know that tomorrow it's going to be a new, a new meme. Yeah, no, I think you're right. A lot of them don't have a long, like a long-term staying power. You're completely right. I think the ones that do have long-term staying power are ones that are always going to be relatable, relatable to people. So stuff like Doge, everybody likes dogs. So everybody is always going to be like, oh, Doge is the dog coin. Like, I mean, that's something that's just going to continue to be a thing. Um, but I do agree with like the fleeting ones where it's something new. You have no idea how long some of these, these trends are going to last. I think that's completely accurate. But that's why people are like in and out of them so quickly. It's definitely like the by far the most degenerate area in crypto right now by like a long shot. I agree. I mean th- that for yeah. me that for me uh, the way I see memes it's it's the crypto casino on what you believe the traction of the next meme will be. And, and when I say meme I don't mean meme coin I mean the next the next what do you think you're taking a punt on what you think the influencers are going to talk about next for a very short period of time? And then you got to get out before you think the influence the influencers are going to stop talking about it. So meme coin for me is betting on on what you think influencers are going to get attracted to next. That's 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 the way that I, that I summarize meme coin trading. And the problem with that for me is that I'm not fast enough in and out. So I can maybe get in, but I'm so busy with this and and investing and everything else that we do that I just don't find the time to get out. And then I land up with a bag full of 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 dust. I don't, know, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if that no, makes sense. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's like, I guess, influencers on Twitter. Sometimes it's like literal celebrities. Like one of the reasons yeah. I missed like a ton of Doge, the early Doge move and whatever, whatever it was last cycle, is I was like, Elon's not going to keep talking about Doge. He's twice, but he's not going to keep talking about it every week. There's no way. There's no way he just keeps talking about it. And he kept doing it for months and months and months and exactly. months, which is why <laughs> kept going up and i think it's like that's that's the really i think that's the weird part where you can't really that's the trump thesis like, yeah like what's gonna yeah that's the trump thesis <laughs> <laughs> i must say i must say the he's trump got seven point, figures of it is he is he gonna is he gonna yeah. talk about it at some point or is he just gonna like yeah. quietly dump on everyone's heads because that, yeah. that's that's also like the trump yeah. thesis the trump thesis for me is the same as the trump nft cards and that is that you know there's going to be an election soon He's going to win many, many punches on the way to the final election, you know, debates and, and interviews and stuff like that. And every time he does, yeah. the meme coin will be the barometer of what the public believe of his wins and losses. And then you're going to have the, the big, then you're going to have the biggest showdown at some point, which is going to be the election. And if he wins the election, I mean, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind that, that 
it explodes. Like I, there's no doubt in my mind that that the um, that the, the the coin completely explodes if you win the election. So I, I, I guess that one you could kind of like take a bet if you think that Trump's going to score goals. Yeah. yeah, I mean meme coins are kind of like prediction markets on like cultural relevance, right? Or exactly. Like that. Um, yeah, yeah. You summarized the, it. The, the the thing is that like they're not you can you can like create more supply of of like these representations right like there's yeah there's trump coin there's maga there's trump nfts like you know trump issued the first collection it sold out he like issued another four more right unbelievable trump style like unbelievable and, you know, so you, you never know like he might do his own if he sees trump's up he only has seven figures of it maybe he does his own coin like who who, who knows but um they're fun i don't know I, I try not to overthink them too much like i don't think they're the future of finance i also don't think i also don't have like this this like disgust or the of them that, that a lot of people seem to have i do think it's just um sort of someone will nail like what ansem's talking about in terms of being able to actually bet on on culture in a way that makes sense like friend tech kind of tried i think there will be like a breakthrough crypto social app which you know uh, i'm not sure if it's a if it's a prediction market if it's crypto social something like friend tech something like a copy trading thing that will kind of nail this, like being able to bet on intangible, like cultural relevancy and memes to me is like just an early, like indicator of that. Um, yeah. But I, I do hold Trump. I wish there was one. <laughs> that I wish there was, being said, I do hold Trump. I wish yeah. there was. Yeah. I mean, I wish there was one protocol where you could take a bet on all the meme coins that we're going to launch. And you know, and and I think I wish there was one protocol where you could take a bet on all the the social dApps that we're going to launch. I think Deso is building something, but I, I think they're so early in the game that it's. I don't think it's like good enough to go for i mean i think inscriptions are pretty interesting as meme coins like i think inscriptions are yeah i, I can talk about why i think they're interesting go for it tell me so i mean why do you think that the inscriptions okay. are, are interesting like i mean i guess that you can say that that inscriptions are a derivative of memes so to speak it's because i mean just walk me through it yeah like inscriptions are like real they're like what nfts like most nfts on ethereum just point to a thing off chain right inscriptions actually live on chain like one metaphor i've used for it uh is, is like it's like graffiti but you can only uh like wash it out if you take down the entire building like the only way that these things disappear is if the blockchain disappears right otherwise they'll be on there forever and so that's like true historical cultural relevance right like a, a certain bitcoin block where this thing was minted already or, or or whatever it might be and i think they're they're particularly relevant in places where you cannot generate like um like there's no other option in terms of generating like meaning or cultural relevance on top of it, right? Like that's why the Bitcoin inscriptions kind of took off so much. Bitcoin doesn't have smart contracts. Um, and so I think they make sense like on other places like that, like Celestia, like the, you know, the Cosmos Hub. We recently, it was like a, one of our dev kind of like uh, side projects was building this asteroid protocol, which was like the first uh, in generalized Inscription. inscriptions protocol on the Cosmos Hub. And then the, the first token on there was like Roids, uh, which was like the asteroid protocol token. It's done, it's done, it's done decently well for a for a Cosmos meme coin. I think it's trading at like ten mil market cap, and it was pretty much a free mint that that uh, I remember sold out in, in two hours. I remember when the, when yeah. it came out, you texted me and you said to me, "Did you get any Roids?" And I, you know, I was I was outside of the office, <laughs> and I was, I was like. What is he talking about? Like, and then, and then, you know, <laughs> and, and, then, and then the penny, and then the penny dropped. And the penny. I also don't know if you guys saw, but um, Bitwise published their uh, ETF storage address. So they went and literally published the address where they're storing half a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin. 
And what did the DJs do? Immediately, they started sending them in, uh, uh, sats. Um, and so now the address has more money than the ETF because the Bitcoin DJs have been sending them sats uh, because they're sending them inscriptions. They're sending them, they, they're sending them NFTs because they know what the public address is. So can you imagine the auditor who's now got to audit back the audit trail to count the Bitcoin in the ETF versus the outstanding shares? And he's got to account for all these DGN sats that are, that are now being sent there because we all know what the public address is. It's crazy. Guys, listen, we're out of time. I mean, I'm just looking at the time. We've been uh, out of time. It's been absolutely, absolutely fantastic to have you guys here. Um, uh, Ansem, I, I think we're going to get you back and uh, specifically when we're looking for the next new trend. So hey, you're, you're always welcome here. I love having you on. Always full of alpha. Uh, we'll see you guys again Thanks, soon. And to you guys, the banter fam, I will see you guys again on Monday or over the weekend unless something happens. Until then, remember to trade well, my friends.